0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the First Generation Podcast. After uh, some break, we're coming back. And today, my guest is Henry Kim. Hello, Henry. How are you? Hey, what's up, David? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. Um, Henry, would you like to do a short introduction about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'm... I'm uh born in born in uh, San Francisco in the Bay Area and grew up in Oakland. I'm Korean American. Uh, I do commercial production and uh, filmmaking, and I do a lot of uh, kind of nonprofit community uh, or work in the community with media and stuff like that. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, but that's what I do. <laughs>
0: All right. You know, um, I don't think I had, a, what would you call, a second generation uh-huh. uh, on the podcast yet. So, like, your parents are both immigrants, right?
1: Yes. Or,
0: yeah, so that's a, that's a new...
1: I, it's funny because people argue all the time, at least in the Asian community, if if you're first or second, depending on if you're born. Does it mean first generation is you first to immigrate or... Well, that's how I
0: understood it. I'm uh-huh. like, okay, like, for example, I am an immigrant, so yeah. I would be a first generation, right? But a lot of people consider, like, my children would be first generation. Right.
1: So I never knew what, I never cared, actually, to be honest. But, um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I'm first or second, depending on how you want to define it. You know who else was an immigrant? Albert Einstein. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess you could call him a refugee because, you know. He was kind of running from Germany, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> People forget how many immigrants uh, like built this country, you know what I mean? Like all of them.
0: <laughs> so if you don't mind me asking, like, how did your parents come to the States?
1: Uh, they came like in the eighties or has to be before the eighties. Um, it was probably the late seventies and then, um, I don't know how they came. They just, uh, I think my, um, oh, during that time period, there was a like programs for like Koreans to be able to immigrate to the U S because the U S had, um, basically uh, been involved in the korean war kept korea from being i mean we could have all been north korea it could have just been called korea but it would be right. north korean version of korea <laughs> as it is right now there's two two versions of korea that go on and uh so so actually koreans and americans actually have a pretty good relationship because of that and um i mean until trump of course but uh you know um <laughs> So there, there was a immigration programs where people kind of like lotteries and stuff, people would be able to get in. Or if they had a family member that came in, it'd be a lot easier for, for them to come. So I think my dad's oldest brother was the first to immigrate. And then they just started, you know, immigrating the whole family over.
0: OK, uh, now I know you. Well, California is, has a huge community, like Korean, right? Community, especially where you live. Uh, so
1: la has yeah in california there's a lot there's like the only legit um korea town that's like a like it's an actual it's it's its own area that that um is the largest and you know in Koreatown in la there are koreans that are born american citizens and never learn to speak english like that's how wow that's how korean it is that's like pretty crazy so um and there's other places, you know, in New York and East Coast, like Maryland and Atlanta. Actually, has a lot of Koreans, and um, but the Bay Area actually has a decent amount, not that many, actually, compared to LA. But um, uh, there is a Korean community for sure. They have a Korea town, but it's like a street, you know. <laughs> uh, how was it for you?
0: Did you grow up in a, around a lot of Koreans, or I was it like I diverse did only
1: because of my parents' friends? But I wasn't. I wasn't actually. Um, I grew up in Oakland. So actually my friends were not Korean. I didn't know any Koreans in school. So, but because of my parents, they, you know, they know the other Koreans in, in Oakland and stuff. So I would know them, or I guess when I went to church, they, they, you know, they were there. And then, um, but I never really made friends with them. I made friends with Korean Americans after actually in high school. Um, and, uh, and so I just kind of found the ones that, that I connect with. Um, But I've always been more – I think Oakland in particular is a pretty, like, diverse, mixed town. And so I think everybody grows up with just, like, groups of friends. But, um, uh, you know, and then honestly, I'm not a very typical um, Korean or Asian-American because, like, I didn't really like most of the Korean-Americans growing up because they were just – to me, they were too um, Korean. (laughs) Like, they were very into – cars and fashion and, and, uh, judging each other and social shit and, and kind of like the culture that comes from Korea, like imported over to America, you know? And so, yeah. so I didn't really like that. And then when I got into high school, I met more, you know, independent kind of Koreans that were different. And then, uh, those are kind of the ones that I started, but, you know, but then it kind of came full circle. Cause I started doing nonprofit work at a Korean community center and stuff. And so so, yeah, I guess I did grow up with with Koreans, but um, it was a mixed bag, it's, you know?
0: What was it like uh, growing up in a family? Like, your parents are immigrants. I hear a lot of people having that disconnect with their parents, you know, if oh, the yeah. cultures are different. So,
1: For sure. And also, um, you know, for some background, uh, you know, my parents' generation came from... They were like children of war you know so it was like post-war culture and society and also like third world you know like uh a lot of people were super poor um you know when my dad was a kid he he uh it was like right after the korean war ended and um you know, like the, like the old stories of, you know, carrying a sack of potatoes up the mountains or selling pencils mm-hmm. or like money or standing in line for bread, you know, I think uh, um, that was where they came from. And so, you know, um, like, imagine a world where you're coming from, like, girls aren't allowed to ride or they're looked down for riding bicycles or, you know, <laughs> like, uh, they're, you know, it's like, uh, it's a really big deal to get like to eat meat or something, red meat, uh, you know, like, so, um, does, I think that's a culture shock for them. And then, and then, uh, um, they also Korean society is very, 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 um, it's the most Confucianist modern society, which means that it's, it's, uh, all centered around the man of the house being like the the the, the head, and everything goes like mm-hmm. so. Society is literally built like on this hierarchy of age and gender in Korea, and so bringing that to the US, which is very different. I think kids, pretty much all kids, I'd say from um, my generation, are just fucked up in the head a little, <laughs> just like a <laughs> weird identity thing, and and uh, so it's like you're you're. Very rare to be like a growing up in the 90s, Korean American being well adjusted and like, you know, balanced and not having some sort of daddy or mommy issues or some shit like that. So um, were they
0: pretty liberal in raising you or did they try to push more like conservative values, like Korean values on?
1: Oh, um, they tried, but I'm pretty um, resistant to control. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think uh, my dad gave up pretty quick. My mom, my mom was always very reluctant. She never tried that hard, but um, they tried for sure. And they did definitely instill like values that I am grateful for, you know, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely didn't go um, super far on that because um, it is just very strict. And, the you know, I saw lots of Korean kids that grew up with parents that were really strict and they're just like, because um, there's so many customs, you know, in Korea, you know, like how you talk to somebody, um, the language you use, the order you eat, like that kind of stuff. And um, so I, I absorbed a good amount of it, of it, but I was pretty rebellious. So I kind of did my own thing and they, they weren't able to. Um... <laughs> I I kind of wish I, 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 I don't know. Actually, it's hard to say. Maybe looking back, I could have been more more
0: definitely like good values you know the best to take from different cultures you know
1: absolutely i mean i the core ones are like values that a lot of culture every i mean so many cultures share you know in terms of respecting your elders or um you know just having a certain amount of um respect for your community and things like that but um you know so i don't know so yeah so you haven't been really
0: engaged in like a Korean community necessarily until later you said.
1: I mean in high school I volunteered at this Korean community center which was like uh yeah. one of the it was the community center in my area to serve immigrant Korean immigrants and kids and stuff like that. So I did I did get exposure but like my friends in high school were all mixed and um i guess well no in high school is when it started separating a little more like asians hung out with asians and you know that kind of stuff but um but i don't know i mean like i guess my when i was in elementary or whatever my first best friend was black so you know it was, mm-hmm. you know that's kind of how i grew up M- mexican black white and then different types of asians because really there's more chinese people in in that in the area than any other but there was also like vietnamese and things like that so um so I think, I, I don't know. I think I've been pretty, pretty, pretty mixed.
0: You know, I live in Ohio and it's not the most diverse region in the country. I've been to Ohio. <laughs> so we we have some communities. like uh, I think we have a big Vietnamese community. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of Koreans besides, you know, the students. Yeah uh or people who come from work, but community-wise, the Vietnamese is the one that comes to my mind, and Chinese. Sure. sure. Uh So, you know, kind of a segue to talk about today's subject, but yeah. basically I got a lot of questions from friends back home and in Europe, mm. basically asking, you know, what the fuck is going on in the States with all these uh <laughs> Attacks on Asian people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Across the country, but mostly in like a big cities, you know, kind of like it where is. you Even live.
1: Canada has had a lot of attacks, which really shocked me. And I was like, wow, they really are like cousins to America, you know? Uh yeah. Uh I think um Okay, so you guys want to know what's up? <laughs> well,
0: uh, like my first question comes to my mind, well, The first question that comes to my mind is like, why now, you know, it's started like a year ago, right? If, yeah. Yeah. Or, were people too occupied with other stuff going on at the time or what happened? Why did it spark now? Or did it just well, come I, to the attention now?
1: Well, shit has happened to Asians for a long time. It's always been not reported in the media because Asians don't go to the police. They don't go to the media. Um, but I do think it's different this time around because it is pretty like, like, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen in the news, like a bunch of black elderly women getting kicked in the face by like white people even or any other race or a bunch of elderly Mexicans getting attacked or, you know, white women for some reason being attacked the way, you know, these groups of Asians have been. So I think it is a little different. Um uh, I think there okay so it's definitely layered right like any issue but I would say to start off um number 1 uh you know I believe things like everything that happens today in our lives is always like the result of what happened yesterday right like like it's always just we're just dealing with the re- the result of all our decisions before and I think Asian Americans in general, or Asians in America, they have a cultural, even amongst other different, across the Asian groups, right? Like, we'll just call them as one group for now. Um, they do tend to be, keep to themselves. Um, they don't really rock the boat. I know people get upset about this model minority myth thing, which we could talk about, but mm-hmm. um, but it is true that Asians don't really like... Um, they just, they separate themselves from society, I think, in their own group really well compared to other groups. Cause I've, I've done a lot of community work. And for instance, if I go to some event uh, for social justice or something like that, there will be a lot of black people and there'll be a good amount of like Latinx people to use the politically correct term. Um, And there'll even be more white people than there will be Asians. You know what I mean? Like often which is negative you know often Asians will be the least that you'll see now i did see a lot during the summer or last year with black lives matter uh, with george floyd protests i mean cuz that i think that mobilized a lot of people in different groups but before that prior to that it was very it was the ratio is just not that high you know cuz asians barely even showed up for their own people when they needed to protest <laughs> to be honest would you say
0: that includes like indians too right
1: yeah, I would include Indians. Although I have set an opinion on that too. I think Indians are—they're lumped into the Asian group because, like, Western culture lumped them in. But if you look at Indian culture, it's very different from Eastern or even Southeast Asian culture. Yeah, there are some similarities, but they are very different. And all my friends who are Indian just think of themselves as Indian. You know, they might—you know—we include them because it's more inclusive. Like, it's better to be included. But I think. To keep it real, I think that Indians and Asian, uh, you know, East Asian and Southeast Asian have just different, um, just a lot of differences that make them really unique. You know what I mean? So um, so it's hard to say. I guess, yes, they're Asian. I'll include them for now. <laughs> Short <laughs> <So end. laughs>
0: why, why? why keep to themselves? Because they've been in this country for hundreds of years, right? So...
1: It's part of the culture of Asians in Asia, right? Because they're just bringing that behavior over. Like, like Asians are much more about the collective good than they are about individualism, right? So that's how they're able to do a lot of things together. Like, if you look at the way Koreans protest, it's insanity compared to the U.S. Like, how efficient and how well done it is. Like, they, um, like a million people came out to protest the former president, and they actually got her in jail. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I and, remember that. and so that's like crazy. Like imagine a million people in Times Square or in New York and then when they're done, they like pick up their trash. <laughs> like they leave it as clean as they found it you know what i mean like
0: i remember um, that uh during one of the world cups i think in russia right, the japanese there, yeah, fans cleaned exactly. up the stadiums yeah <laughs> japanese
1: people do that too but um and also if you've seen in if you follow football um i'm going to use the international term for football not the american term, but um <laughs> if you follow football like uh if you've ever seen koreans doing their chants and shit like that like the way they coordinate it it's like kind of crazy like I know a lot of countries do that, but Koreans definitely love that with the drumming and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, the point is, I think Asians are more collective-minded, which means that a, a part of what it takes to be part of a collective is you are kind of sacrificing or kind of minimizing your individuality or expression of your individuality, you know, which could be the negative side. So, like, when I was growing up, like, my parents would always tell me, like, if somebody causes trouble or whatever just walk away or run away or you know basically Mm -hmm. just don't confront it that was their main advice and they're just always trying to avoid conflict and um you know i think that's pretty pretty common for a lot of asian cultures so i think i think they come to this country they just want to have a good better life um kind of for better or worse like they don't do like they don't rock the boat either way like they're not causing as much trouble but they're also not Fighting for the things that they could fight for, you know, um right, and so that's kind of where they're in the middle, and that's why that that model minority myth comes in where you know uh you know Western people or white people want to point at Asians to other minorities and be like, "Why can't you be like them? <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, it's quite convenient right it's very convenient you, and then they you decide
0: for them and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> right and so um but at the same time it's not like asians are being respected you know what i mean like i've always felt that um white people only tolerate asians because they do a lot of uh they're invisible in a lot of ways they don't get in the way and then also they they do important work that is like because you know, they'll trust an Asian doctor or an Asian accountant, right? Or something like that. And then on top of that, they just want to hook up with the daughters, you know, the Asian girls. (laughs) So it's it's all leads into them kind of pretending like Asians are in the club. But like, you know, I've walked into plenty of rooms where I was literally the only Asian guy and I never got like, the reaction is not immediately like, hey, there's Asian guy, welcome. It's kind of like, hey, you're not white, so we still don't give a fuck about you, you know? Um, It's kind of cold. And so uh, I think Asians just did well for themselves in terms of um, focusing on careers and family raising, but they didn't do much in terms of engaging in the community. Now, there's always exceptions. so I don't want somebody to hear this and get pissed off, but I do think there's a little bit of a lie going on right now in the Asian community where people want to pretend like Asians have been like much better citizens than they have been, but I I don't full, I don't agree with that. And people sometimes they get mad at me, but I, I just keep it really as honest as I think what is real or what I see. But um, I think for instance, you'll see Asian American or Asian people come in to a, you know, poor area because that's the only place they can start a business. They'll start a business, whether it's a liquor store or a, you know, salon, like a hair thing or whatever point is, They'll start that, they'll make the money, but they're not going to engage and 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 meet and um, become friends with the community that they're actually taking money out of, right? So that's a gripe. That's a legitimate gripe that a lot of Black people have towards Asians because um, it isn't the right mentality. You know what I mean? Like, um, I actually, I guess I have a slightly different perspective because um, I happen, like my father... He happens to be one like the guy that um, actually started the Oakland Koreatown. And so um, he's the one that brought uh, a bunch of Koreans from San Francisco to open businesses in Oakland. And he actually started a business in Oakland, in downtown Oakland, which was like a really terrible place um, or dangerous. And um, he started a, a art gallery and then a coffee shop in there in that. So he was like one of the first to do that. And then he ended up um, starting the, what is known as Koreatown right now, which is just a street, but it's <laughs> still called as Koreatown. And oh. uh, But the point is he, uh, Koreatown in Oakland didn't have the same level of uh, tension between Asians, Koreans and black people like, like there was in LA because uh, you know, and I asked him why. And he said, because before they actually planted in the community they actually met with like um black uh, church leaders and community leaders and like um got to know them and then also would like uh do like bring food donate food to like homeless people and stuff like that so they actually did some work like to make it cool for them to come into the community and so they didn't they didn't have those problems and so but you see in that's kind of more of the exception to the rule The generally what will happen is they'll come into the community. They'll just set up a business and then you'll see some, you know, I've seen plenty of viral videos um, of, you know, Asian uh, shop owners attacking, uh, having a dispute and then attacking physically like a a black um, customer, you know, that kind of stuff, like whatever, right or wrong. But the point is, I think there is a legitimate um, gripe from, from the black community that Asians, uh, in their community didn't really, um, they just weren't part of the community. They were separate from it. And so, uh, I think that's why you're seeing the ramifications now where with COVID it's like so many people are suffering and their lives got worse and they want to blame somebody. And it's very easy to, if you, if you already don't know a community, if you don't know who they are, it's really easy to hate them, to blame them for something, right? But if you knew them, it's harder to blame them because you're going to think more carefully about that because you don't treat them like a – as a stereotype or just like an idea. Like they become real people, you know? But are these
0: attacks happening planned or mostly it seems like it's a random attack in the middle of a city?
1: It seems pretty impromptu. It seems like it is just anger and rage being boiling out and just looking for somebody to take it out on and, and it's not quite as planned. But there are some um I guess um uh, movements or not movements, but they're just like behaviors that are being perpetuated by each other and I don't know if it was true. There was a rumor there was like a slap in Asian challenge going on recently that I saw, um, whether or not it's true, I don't know. But the point is, uh, I think it's just turning into a common behavior, like an accepted behavior, like, you know, by certain communities and, um, you know, it's not that cool. <laughs> I,
0: I don't, I mean, I don't understand, but I don't know if there's an explanation for somebody just lashing out on the subway at well, Asian I mean, TV. look, no,
1: anytime there's <laughs> violence on a stranger for their skin color or something, that's pretty fucked up. They're pretty.
0: But they're, they're given that there are hate groups, right, that
1: do. Uh, promote. I mean, use,
0: promote that. Yeah.
1: Let's be real, dude. Like Trump um basically is one of the prime instigators in this, because I think Americans, um, from what I've learned, are. um pretty simple in a lot of ways, like for good and bad. And so like, whoever is the president will end up influencing their beliefs and behavior. And actually, you see this in every country, right? I mean, this is normal. And I think I my actually my belief is on a deeper psychological level, I think most humans are actually good, you know, but but our problem is is not whether we're good or bad, but we're just kind of lazy and simple. (laughs) Like we just want things spelled out for us. And so like whoever's in charge, like a lot of people just trust that if they're in charge, then they must be right, you know, somehow. Now, a lot of people obviously are changing that opinion. But, you know, with Trump, you have a lot of people that just take anything he says as gospel. And, um, you know, he he definitely antagonized uh, the group there, his group to make it OK. Um, you know, like if you think about like if you go back to nine eleven when you. Um, that happened uh you know george bush who i hated at the time by the way so now it's like shocking that I, I would have paid money to have him replace trump but um like he was the devil at the time but you you know it shows how far we've fallen but um at the same time even though he was like an ultra conservative or a conservative whatever um you know when 9 11 happened he the fir- one of the first things he did was actually visit a mosque you know what i mean to show mm-hmm. like, hey, like it's going to be like so many people are going to have this knee jerk reaction to blame Muslim people. And yes, they still did. And there's still a lot of stereotypes. I was up. just going to yeah, was, bring
0: that up but, you know, when it happened.
1: But it wasn't the same level of like, imagine if Bush, instead of going to a mosque and showing his followers like, hey, like I'm at least trying to set a good example. Imagine if he said, yeah, Muslim people suck you know, they're, they're, they're all like, they just like, imagine if Trump was president, how he would have (laughs) reacted.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Right. Like, so whatever you saw would have been way worse if that was the response from the president. You know what I mean? So I think that Trump definitely had a hand to play in it, but it doesn't fully explain it because, you know, black people don't like Trump. A lot of them don't, but they're still attacking Asians in a lot of cases. So I do think it is deeper than that. I think it's got worse because of the administration, the way they handled it, but also, um, it is the results of what we're seeing of you know de- uh, decades of isolated communities, um, and then you know people suffering because of the pandemic and the recession and stuff, and then wanting to take it out on them. Um
0: So you know, like when he was making those comments, like the Chinese virus, or all right,
1: kung like, flu, and whatever,
0: all yeah, kung flu, and uh, yeah. I remember it sparked some. Hateful comments and that kind of stuff. But that was like a year ago. And I guess what you're trying to say is that, you know, it took a year for people to like struggle I, and lose that's money. A good and point.
1: Lose- yeah. I think I think um right now we are seeing the effects of people who have been out of work for a year, who have been struggling for a year, um, who cause like we we focus in the media about numbers, things we can measure but I actually think the things you can't measure in society are the things that happen on the street. Right. So like, think about somebody who's like already uh, unemployed. Right. And um, maybe living on welfare or something like that. Now they already have a tough life before the pandemic and then, and then make that even harder for them. (laughs) Like, there, everything has gone up in America, like in terms of crime, like violent crime has gone up. Uh, robberies have gone up. Um, petty crimes have gone up. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, the, it's really is an accumulation. And I think that this is the effect that we're seeing. Um, I do think if, you know, um, I do think if the, the disease came from a different group, like let's say it came from the Middle East or something, I think you would see people attacking Muslims you know what I mean like I think mm-hmm. I think it would have happened regardless especially if you have a president that fucking says the wrong thing about it but um, yeah <laughs> you know, but I do think yeah it's happening more a year later because we're finally seeing the results of people being sick and tired of it and then um, having less resources and just um, resorting to violence and crime you know
0: you know, speaking on the personal level and personal experience, have you ever had to deal with that kind of stuff? Uh, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah,
1: no, it's, um, I'm, I haven't, I've dealt with like minor incidents. Um, hmm.
0: Do you feel... Let me say it this way. Do you feel different now knowing that there's this shit going on?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel less safe. Like, when I'm out on the street, I'm definitely more um, cautious or paying attention to who's around and what they're – because I don't want some random dude just coming up on me and I'm not
0: thinking <laughs> – doing the slap challenge? Yeah, right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Although I wish somebody would. You know, I, I, every time I read <laughs> – the news like i want to go to like that neighborhood and just wait for somebody to try but like i think um i think that's that makes me the type of person that they probably wouldn't do that to you know what i mean yeah. i think that uh, especially when you see that they're attacking elderly people and women it's like that's like the most cowardly the, i, I saw said, that you know
0: i think it was a chinese old lady yeah she puts him back the, uh, the shit out of yes. the she was, like, painting yeah, years he was old. stretches. I
1: know. That's, like, <laughs> that hero right there. She loves it. He loves that lady for that. But, um, yeah, but, you know, it, I don't – I think that's a phenomenon that's going to be dissected later. And it's going to – it is It is a little confusing to me, like, why it's so focused on, like um, – Like, in actually, early in the pandemic, there was somebody in Texas uh, who stabbed a kid in the face, dude, like a child. Um, yeah and and so uh it's like weird how it's like the most cowardly thing you could possibly do like um for these people so there has to be some psychological profile of the people who are doing this you know what i mean cuz like one thing i i'd have to say is like i i um i hate when this stuff happens and then somebody reacts like oh well that's why black lives matter is bullshit or something and it's like I, I really guarantee you that somebody who's out there fighting for social justice for their people are not also going around like attacking Asian people because they're Asian.
0: Right, I think it, you're it, right. I think it takes a certain person. It's a different he... person.
1: It's a different situation. Just like if you think about it, like think about how serial killers have a similar profile to each other, right? right. Or whatever category of crime that you commit, there is obviously a, a psychological profile. So I'm curious what that profile is for people that attack elderly <laughs> well
0: it has to be like lack of empathy and just uh, anti-social personality kind of a deal going. for sure
1: they're definitely disconnected but they're also i think very weak themselves because why would they attack the weakest yes. people? you know but I mean? also if they if this wasn't
0: happening and they wouldn't attack an old asian lady because she's asian they would have done something similar to somebody else like it's yeah. not like regular people turn violent because of uh
1: Oh, absolutely. They just got, they got pointed in a certain direction, but they're still like a loaded gun, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I think, um, so I think these are all, this is just my opinion, by the way, I'm sure other people have other opinions. (laughs) People could argue with me, but that's, that's what I've observed and my thoughts on it, just from where I'm at, um, in terms of why this is happening now. It's been happening all during the pandemic but it kind of like happened more in the beginning and then it kind of went away a little bit but then like and then recently it just went crazy you know so
0: the the most frustrating part is when i hear like a somebody not necessarily like a white person but somebody here in ohio saying like "Well, i don't see that that's bullshit it's not (laughs) happening
1: Like, okay in your fucking
0: village it's not happening and
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, that's a that's a standard human behavior. I think we have very short memories and and short sight, and so well,
0: something that is happening in the same country, they would deny that. Like you can literally go. Oh, well, you can deny
1: if that. it happens in your own street. Almost how people are. <laughs> um, so, and also, let's face it: different areas have different levels of ignorance that kind of contribute to what they're willing to believe or not. You know. Um, yeah. Definitely. But. But sometimes, I don't know, this is, it kind of veers in another direction, because I think there are people who just are willfully ignorant of and willing to unaccept something that they can't see or believe, because, and I don't think it even has to do with intelligence fully, because actually, um, once I had this argument with this guy who was like a, a genius, like a legitimate genius, um, like he has a double PhD in computer science from Stanford. And, you know, he's like, well over like, 140 iq or whatever but the point is he's an actual genius right and you talk about computers and he'll be like the smartest guy in the room and then one day i was having lunch with him and i talked for some reason we got around to talking about um like the crack epidemic in america and he blew my mind because he refused to believe that the u.s government had any involvement in that situation and i I was like it was like he just told me that he believed the earth was flat right like it was (laughs) stupid and i was just like what the fuck and i was like so wait where okay if the government didn't do it how did all the black people in all the communities around america the urban communities how did they get access to thousands of kilos of cocaine to be able to like when they're not even able to afford a plane ticket out of the country, how did they import all the drugs? Like just logically. Right. And he said, it's a trickle down effect from the rich white people. Oh doing God. cocaine. Yeah, exactly. I had the same reaction. Like, and that's when it clicked. I was like, wow. Like, cause he grew up so American pie and, and privilege and, and, and just away from any like black people, even right. Like so far from the problem that, Like he believed in America. Like he just didn't believe that the government would do that. And so he made up a story in his head, which had nothing to do with logic. And I was like, dude, that doesn't even make sense. Like a person buying cocaine for personal use wouldn't buy hundreds of thousands of kilos of cocaine every month.
0: (laughs) And then I think it's like,
1: you know,
0: know, it it makes you feel more comfortable and, if you believe in that and you don't have to worry about the outside world. And if it doesn't bother you, you know,
1: you could make up whatever story you want. And so right, like years later, when the CIA finally admitted that they were part of it, I, even though I hadn't talked to him for years, I emailed him the article to be like Matt Damon Will <laughs> hunting, like, how do you like them apples? You fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so he never responded, but um, I didn't say it like that, but <laughs> but I did feel like, dude, you, you're crazy. And so, but that, that actually gave me an insight into psychology, human psychology, that people truly are going to tell themselves any story they want. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to do with intelligence. Like, obviously, if you have a lower IQ, it, it's easier to be manipulated and stuff, but even Wealthy people, even rich people, even smart people will tell themselves a story, especially when it relates to cultures and people that they don't understand, you know?
0: Well, there's so many factors, like you said, layers in here. You know, first of all, if somebody looks different and acts different and speaks different than you, you are already automatically put off, like naturally, because, you know, as human beings, as animals, you see somebody different and you're scared of them, not like scared that they're going to beat you up or whatever, but because they are different. And then you you would have to get out of your comfort zone and go and see it for yourself. And nobody would want to do that. You know, not a lot of people want to do that because it will shatter your beliefs and your comfortable.
1: Right. Uh, our, our, I think by nature where most people are kind of um, simplistic, like they just want like an easy, simple life. You know, they just want to have their... Their job that they don't hate and and family that they love and friends and and hobby or whatever. And there's
0: there's definitely good parts to that, like uh, safety wise or what I want to say, like for our sanity, like you can't be worried about everything in the world, right? You would kill yourself. Yeah, just the same too many day. <laughs> things to
1: stress about, right? And we're yeah. let's face it, like people are are it's hard enough just to maintain your life, right? So people aren't going to go out of the way to. Um, you know uh learn so that's why i believe actually i think my opinion is that it's only going to get better when people um are really integrated like you know um so you know good for all those people that immigrate to towns that i wouldn't immigrate to (laughs) because they are (laughs) at least exposing um them to a different what do
0: you see the asian community or the korean community or whatever Uh, do now different is there any reaction
1: they are are, i think the younger generation is much more active just like a lot of ethnic or cultural groups and they um are definitely responding in terms of coming together i think the difference is when i was growing up in high school um like well growing, growing up in oakland you're pretty mixed i think but you know all the asian kids hung out with each other there was no problem there but i think my parents generation they didn't really like like each other, like other Asian groups, right? Like, so they didn't interact. And and then you definitely didn't see the community supporting each other. Like, if it was like a, you know, Chinese movie in the theater, like Korean people aren't going to go watch it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they don't care. And so vice versa. And But now with the younger generation, I do see that they are treating each other like brothers and sisters. Like, all right, if we're going to be treated as one group, then we are one group, you know? And so they are... I see a lot of support for different... So I actually have a lot of optimism even amongst all this this um, bad stuff is um, that I believe that the younger generation in general is more active than ever. Like, dude, there's kids organizing protests where thousands of people show up. <laughs> like kids, you know what I mean? Like that never happened when I was growing up. Like never. It's the first time. So I think we're trending in the right direction. It's just like... Um, uh, we're kind of in the um, what we're seeing is like the painful transition of being ignorant to being less ignorant. And I think anytime you transition, there's always the resistance, you know. And so, um, I mean, when I was a kid, my dad actually told me, he said, you know, the thing about America is that um, it has the potential to be the first country that is truly like mixed, you know what I mean? Like, it really does. Like, if you think about all the other countries in the world, is there another country that has this many different cultures mixing together? I mean, that's why they call it a melting pot, you know? And so because white Americans have settled the land or stolen it and settled it... um, (laughs) but whatever it's their country like every country i mean let's face it in history every country we talk about was taken by blood right like whoever owns that land is because they fucking took it and so um so whatever that's the history we accept that means it's their country so it's it is a white man's world in america and so you know i think that the hate and stuff and the racism towards black people and towards any ethnicity is them doing their last gasp of um that transition, because you hear about, uh, you know, uh, white supremacists, they're afraid of, of, uh, you know, the different minorities taking their jobs or taking their identity. And you know what? They should be afraid (laughs) because if I was a racist white person that only wanted America to stay white, I would be afraid because it is going to disappear because every ethnic group is growing like, you know, next Asian, Um, I see more interracial marriages between different groups than ever. So I, you know, I think this future is happening painfully and, uh, uh, either we're going to blow ourselves up before the transition completes or, or we will get there. And then, you know, maybe this country is going to be very Brown and, um, the white people are going to be the minority and, um. We'll see. I don't know. But also, let's face it, the white people have all the power. So maybe it'll be the minority of white people still controlling the country. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But at least on the street, on the community level, it'll be very mixed. So um, that's what I think. But again, like I said, I have opinions that not a lot of people, not everybody will agree with.
0: How do you think, uh, what do you think is the most effective way to address this? You know, because I feel like. Uh, just going around and being like, okay, stop Asian hate. And
1: Well, my opinion is controversial. I think if Asians really wanted to stop, they have to start kicking people in the balls when they get in their face. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like if, if I, I even see people online, like talking about, you should buy a gun and learn to defend yourself. And it's like, nobody wants that life. But at the same time, like when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, like people didn't, pick on me i mean they tried to in elementary in the beginning but i was pretty quickly i would get into a fight and they stopped you know what i mean like i wasn't picked on after you know maybe third or fourth grade or something because i just i'll fucking bite somebody's throat if i have to and so like that i think when you give out that when you, set, when you set boundaries, then other people will respect them, right? When you don't have boundaries, then, of course, they don't respect it. They they define the boundaries. So I always believe, like, in life, like, there's no such thing as fair because fair is, like, is the fantasy, right? Like, everything in life is a result of, like, whatever um, we accept. So I don't think we get what we deserve. I think we get what we accept. So if people accept shitty relationships, they get shitty relationships. If they don't accept well, it, then they don't get it, you know?
0: I agree about like self-defense and standing up for yourself. But if it's like an older Asian lady, oh, that's how do we systematically address
1: that? Yeah. So systemically, um, you know, I think uh, that's my, you know, that's true. Like, you know, I've, you have to engage in the community. That's really my best answer is like, you have to get people to know who you are. Otherwise, they will never stop treating you like the other person. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in Oakland, so I uh, grew up around a lot of black people and um, you know, I, because of that, I, I have seen into their culture in a way that other Asian people from other parts of the country have not. And so I have a great love for black people. You know what I mean? Like I like, If a black guy came up to me and said some racist Asian thing, I wouldn't go back and call him like the N word (laughs) because, you know, because I love black people. I don't want I don't want to perpetuate that. You know what I mean? But if I didn't grow up in that area and I didn't have that experience and some black guy came up to me and called me a chink. I'll probably just go right back at him. You know what I mean? Because I don't know him. I don't know his people. So I think step one is communities have to start understanding and I see it happening, you know, because even with all the stuff that happened, there were plenty of, uh, you know, awesome black people that were community leaders that reached out to the Asian community and, you know, friends of mine that reached out. And so, um, so I do think it's happening. I think, you know, um, that's step one. And then step two is like people need to do business with each other because when you make money together, then you, it changes the dynamic of everything. I think because we live in a capitalist world, uh, for better or worse, like money affects a lot of things, you know? And so like yeah. how I talked about before, like going into a community and then like taking their resources, like their money and not giving back, that's a negative. But let's say you were to, um, open up a shop in a, in a black community and then you turn around and go spend that money at, you know, a black hairdresser or a, uh, you know, convenience store or, what, or supermarket, whatever. But the point is, people need to start doing business together. And that will help bridge communities because um, I guarantee you one thing that people don't rock the boat over is ruining their money. It <laughs> <laughs> will make sure that it stays smooth, you know. Um, so I think those are the two main things is just being being more. Uh, interactive community wise and supporting each other. And then like doing business together. Like I have a friend who he's Chinese American, but he he's pretty wealthy and he does a lot of um, real estate stuff. And so what he did was he started um, looking for black um, realtors who want to build up their business, but don't get the same resources as other people. And then like creating programs for them to be able to get like more help in like in that sector, you know? So, okay. um, and then maybe the third one would be just, you know, make babies together, make mixed race babies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Those would well, all affect it though. Guaranteed
0: looking from not, I, I live in the States obviously, but I view this as I'm looking from the side because I feel like I came into this country and all this shit is happening. <laughs> you sure, know? Yeah. Uh, It seems like while the minorities are kind of, they are getting together more now, but they are fighting each other, you know, and the white uh, people are just kind of looking at them doing that and just not helping in any way. And it's just, it's like a competition between the minorities. And I, I just, I don't understand
1: the competition, or why white people are sitting in it?
0: Out. Or, yes, like uh, I'm trying to think how what I'm trying to say is uh, you know, I see, like, I see the like you said, uh, the black people with the Asian communities mm-hmm. uh, and how they bicker over stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. and how it's like a bad neighborhood that the Asian uh, family would come in and start business. And it's like, where are the white people? You know, I mean, I think
1: consciously, you know, white people, even if they're not racist, right, I think subconsciously as a people, they are a group. And so therefore, the status quo or their mission is always to to preserve the status quo, right, and preserve their dominance, you know. So I think, you know, subconsciously, it's like if you see two people fighting each other and they're both people that could take your resources, (laughs) you're going to let them fight, you know. Because it's like, right. why would you like, <laughs> why would you not? Because they're they're both your enemies in a way, you know? I think it's, surprising. It, just seems I think like, it's a,
0: it seems like all the minorities get the shit end of the stick, you know? That's what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, I that's
1: think. normal. I mean, it's that, like
0: they're fighting over in the shitty neighborhoods for uh, Right. <laughs> to survive, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's I, the reality of it. But you know what? It happens um, I think that is more a result of classism than racism. The racism to me is, is how you maintain the class structure. You know what I mean? And like the racism is just an expression of that, of that um, process of maintaining that, that control, you know, on that side. And so, like I said, like my opinion is it is a white man's world. So in America. And so, um you know it's it's going to be like that but in like it's interesting because
0: you know like you said there are these stereotypes like positive stereotypes about asian people like they're smart and they they're good doctors and good at math that kind of stuff sure so but it's not about the black people you know
1: it's completely opposite right and so because black people have a longer history in America and they've already been experienced so much systemic racism and control to keep them down. So they have worse stereotypes, you know what I mean? Like, um, but you know, to be honest, that happens within the Asian community where it's like the way that like a Chinese person looks at a um, Vietnamese person is also very racist and they look down on them. Right.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So again, I think that's, It's kind of more of a function of class than it is. um, Or
0: even within country, you know, like the Indians. Oh, yeah. If you have a caste,
1: that's even worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I do think it's just a function of class because I think the nature of um, power is that only a few can hold it. And whoever holds it wants to keep it forever. So, everything, every decision you make after that. Is flows out of it. Now, obviously, there's been tribes and communities that, you know, cultural groups that thrive off of a more communal experience, but, you know, they also get slaughtered by the people who don't believe in that. <laughs> there's not a lot of them these days, you know.
0: Well, um, since we're coming to the end of the episode, I think, well, the last question I would like to ask, if you know, there's a lot of influential asian people in this country would you how would you wish people would use that how how, what would you like to see different how would you like people to raise awareness i guess
1: oh for asians yes um that's a good question i mean i think i think i'm seeing it um at least in my sphere i think um asians are finally waking up like there's more marches and stuff going on than ever before around the country um Mm -hmm. and then these are the kids that are gonna remember this shit and they're gonna that's gonna affect how they conduct themselves and and interact with each other i guess my main wish would just be that um well one thing i am noticing actually is because there hasn't been like great Asian American leadership. Like there's no Asian American, like Martin Luther King, right? Like, or Malcolm X. There's a Bruce Lee, (laughs) but there's no, like, I guess Andrew Yang, to be honest, would be the closest that we would have at this point is like a figurehead for Asians that, that cares about Asian issues. You know, um, my wish is that Asians, um, rise up but that they do it together and because i do see different people wanting to have the spotlight and be that like have the power essentially and for me i don't really care about all that like i just i'm more focused on the result you know like i don't need the credit for it um right. so and because you know the truth is it's a little more complex because um you know eight a- different asian groups have different cultures right like chinese people and korean people and japanese people all do business very differently from each other you know like there's similarities but the things they focus on and how they conduct themselves is different so i think that's a challenge they have to overcome in uniting so i would say um i just wish that they uh learn to truly put the the vision of a better america in the forefront because that'll make a better future for them than just saying I want to have a better life. But I think they should say, everybody should have a better life, you know? Um, so I, I really want to see the Asian community actually interact more with uh, other groups because I do think that's a really important part of the piece of the puzzle. And, you know, hopefully they can, they can do that.
0: I think that's uh, I. I can somewhat relate to that, you know, because the, all the small nationalities and countries in the Caucasus—they mm-hmm. all have very big sense of pride. Yeah, and it's good in a way, but also when we come to the states or whatever, people here just view us as one big group. You know, all
1: right? Like, so you, you it, and they don't care in the states. They don't care what how unique your society is like where you come from because they're going to treat you one way and so i i do believe in a global community um i do think um and i think i saw you share a meme about that too um or no that wasn't you i think that was somebody else but um (laughs) basically like i do believe that like it occurred to me like a long time ago that tribalism is still one of the biggest problems for like the problem like that we have in the world. Cause we don't see our yeah. we don't see ourselves as a s one species first. You know what I mean? We see ourselves as like our cultural identity first. And then the species is like later, like, but if you look at like sci-fi movies, like what happens, aliens show up and then all the humans are like, well, I guess we are one group. And then they unite. Right. That's how Will Smith yeah. ends up saving the planet. Right. Like all the countries. I
0: guess that's what it takes. That's what it takes.
1: So that's why, <laughs> you know um sci-fi is really our judgment on ourselves as a species you know what i mean and and the lesson that like there's no sci-fi movie or book where the aliens show up and they're like good job humans we'll see you later we're gonna leave you alone it's always like you are judged as inferior and petty and stupid and small and we're gonna eradicate you because you're worthless that's how we see ourselves you know what i mean like that's, sci-fi yeah. is a mirror that we hold up to ourselves and it's a commentary. And so I think that's, that's what needs to be shed is that the separate identities, like pretend that the aliens are here <laughs> and then <laughs> unite, you know, have us common cause, which I think is the problem because like we're destroying the world, you know what I mean? And the only way for us to not destroy it is if we all join together, it just seems like such a dream, like far away, you know?
0: Well, Henry, I appreciate you coming on to talk and shed some light on the issues and your perspectives.
1: Absolutely.